as to where we're going to kind of land. Um, but we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Um, and we're going to continue um, looking at what Jesus is bringing as his teaching. Um, and while you're finding Matthew chapter 5, it will come up on the screen as well. But let me just tell you a story from something that happened in my life. I think it was 10 or 12 years ago, I was in Honduras on a missions trip in Honduras. And uh, you fly into Honduras, and it's into the main city, Tegucigalpa. And it's quite a, it's quite a ropey flight in. Uh, in fact, at one point, I was told they blew up a mountain in order to give the planes more space to maneuver in. I think it's up there as one of the most dangerous airports for trying to land in. And they, often, they will kind of do an aborted landing, you know, where they kind of come in and they go, whoop, we're not going to make it. And then you take off again. So it's one of those kind of places. And, and we were warned that when we got there, it's, it's filled with gangs. That's kind of the culture. And they have barrios, which are the different places the gangs live. And they said, the chances are you will see somebody who has either just been killed or, you know, something's just happened because it happens all the time. And, and sure enough, as we were driving out of the airport, um, somebody had just been shot off the back of a pickup truck. Um, and that's the culture of, of Honduras. So we were like, this is going to be a great trip. Um, me with a group of other uh, church leaders. And I'd been kind of organizing the trip. And we decided that we'd struck up some connections with some of the guys in the barrios in the top of the hill. So we've got a church at the bottom of the hill and a church at the top of the hill. And um, we'd, we'd kind of connected with some of these lads near the top of the hill. And we decided, let's go and play football with them. Uh, the universal language of football. So we went and played football with them, and uh, I got some camera equipment with me, and I uh, was filming things as well for, for Elim and for, for missions. And it was just a great time, just playing football together. And we all sat down on this wall, I'll never forget it. The, so it was a big kind of open space like this, and there was a wall, and we sat down. I was on the end, and we all sat down just having a drink, super warm in the Honduran heat. And we were just chatting away. And, and the security guy that was with us, everywhere we went, we had a security guy. And the security guy said to me before we went out, if anything happens, Give me all the equipment that's expensive, and I'll run. <laughs> that's kind of how security works in Honduras. It's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm naive, not a clue. Nothing's going to happen. It's, you know, I've done loads of trips, and nothing's going to happen. It's fine. So we sat there, and uh, we're all chatting away. And suddenly, there was just this like air of tension. And all I heard was this guy come up behind me and put a gun to my head. And he held me up at gunpoint. Cool, we'll finish that story in a little while. Let's read Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 38 to 42. It says this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. We live in a violent world, don't we? Guns, gangs. In fact, I was looking at some statistics. In the UK, political violence uh, events has risen from 2021 to 2022. It's risen by 27%. Globally, the violence against civilians has increased by 12%. From 2021 to 2022. There's military conflicts going on in Ukraine, Afghanistan, Ethiopia, South Sudan, Syria, Yemen, and that's just naming a few of them. We live in a violent world. And I think Jesus is speaking into that in this passage. He's speaking into violence, oppression, injustice. It doesn't shy away from these topics. He takes them head on. And I think he's offering us a different solution. And I want to call today's message the third way. 
because I think Jesus is inviting us to think creatively. One of our values as a church is creativity. And Jesus is inviting us to think creatively about how we face opposition, how we face the issues of injustice and things that go on in our life as we are followers of Jesus. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to those that are seeking to follow him as their teacher, as their Lord and Savior. So what does it look like for those of us that declare him as Lord and Savior? What does it look like for us to follow him in the face of oppression, injustice, violence? What does that look like? And Jesus speaks into it. So we're just going to go line by line. And it's going to be a 20-minute sermon, so set your, top, set your stopwatches now, because you can scream at me if it goes longer, all right? I'm holding that you a promise. Okay, so let's go. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, you should remember from previous messages, when Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, he's quoting from the Old Testament. So this is what was said in the Old Testament. Now, I'm going to tell you and unpack for you what that actually means. And um, the Old Testament, what I'm talking about is the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So he's quoting from those, uh, those books. And actually, he's quoting here from Leviticus 24, 19 to 20. He says, if anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done, it shall be done to him, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Sounds very graceful, doesn't it? Deuteronomy 19, similar thing it says, and in Exodus 21 is another version where uh, it's very specific kind of case law that if two men are fighting and they hit a pregnant woman, it says that if the, if, the, if the baby is then forced to be born and the baby is fine, then it's compensation, whatever the man says needs to be paid. But it says in verse 32, if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe, goodness me. Sounds a bit brutal, doesn't it? Like to our modern ears, we kind of think, wow, that's, that seems harsh. But remember, this is about justice in the courts. So this is actually the basis of our court system now, compensation and justice. So that's what this is grappling with. And at the time, these commands would have been totally radical. Because there would have been nothing like this up to this point. In fact, think about the way that humanity naturally functions it's one-upmanship, isn't it? It's, we'd say retaliation, but retaliation is never equal. It's never like, you slap me, I'll slap you. It's, you slap me, I'll punch you, I'll punch your kids, I'll make sure I really get you. That's what we see when we think of retaliation. It means getting one over on the other person. And actually, Jesus is saying, that is not the way that as my followers, I'm calling you to live. He says in verse 39, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. Now, that, that word resist there is, is not a great translation. I was looking at some commentaries, and some actually think, because this, this word first appeared in the, New King James, in the King James version of the Bible, sorry. So some people think it was political, actually, of what was happening at the time. Do not resist uh, an evildoer. Uh, just kind of get away with whatever they wanted to do. Um, but actually, a better word is, is the word retaliate. Don't retaliate to evil. N.T. Wright translates it, don't use violence to resist evil. Why? Because it creates a cycle of violence. There's a quote from a book called Huckleberry Finn. Some of you may know that book. It says this. It says, well, says book, a feud is this way. A man has a quarrel with another man and kills him. Then that other man's brothers kill him. Then the other brothers on both sides go for one another. Then the cousins chip in and by and by everyone's killed off and there ain't no feud anymore. That's what retaliation says. It just cycle and cycle and cycle. Jesus says, don't retaliate to evil. Don't, don't um, 
use violence to resist evil. And then Jesus says, on the contrary, don't retaliate. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Okay, Andy, come up here. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other also. Now, let me just talk through what's about to happen. I actually text Jonathan. Jonathan's not well this morning, but I text him this week and he replied going, that's the most random text I've ever received from a pastor that I never expected to, which was, Jonathan, this Sunday, can you just slap me? <laughs> so what, what we're going to assume is that this person is right-handed, okay? And they get, it says, offer the right, they slap you on the right cheek. So what that's going to look like is a backhanded slap, okay? So right hand, right cheek, backhanded slap. So let's do that again. So there's the back. Now, a backhanded slap in this shame on a culture is the most disgraceful thing you could do to somebody. This is what, don't go away yet. This is, this is what um, a, a master would do to a slave, a backhanded slap. It's what a father would do to a son or a child, backhanded slap. It says, I am superior, you are inferior. I'm better than you. So what do we do in this moment? So I've got a right-handed back slap across my right cheek. What do I do in this moment? There's one thing I could do is fight. I could go, let's get you back even more. And I wouldn't win because he's a lot stronger than me. So I can either fight or I can flight. I can, I can just run away or I can cower. And, and actually, neither of those two solutions deal with the cycle of violence. So Jesus is saying, if you're slapped on the right cheek, offer the other also. So in this moment, I get slapped on the right cheek. And I go like that. Now, there's a couple of things that could happen right now. He could punch me even harder. That could happen. Jesus isn't saying that's not going to happen. The reality is we can come back and say, this is how I'm going to be. That doesn't control the other person's behavior. But actually, in this moment, what's just happened is I've gone, you're seeing me as an inferior. I'm looking at you as an equal. I'm choosing to say, I see you as a human. I'm a human. Now, you can choose to be violent to me if you want, but that's because I'm choosing to say, you can if you want, but I'm not going to take that. Thanks, Andy. You can sit down. So in that moment when he's saying, look at that person, offer the other cheek, look at them face to face, regain your dignity as a human. Can't control their behavior. But maybe in that moment, if they do punch you, something may be stirred in them that says, wow. That was a different response. That wasn't what I was expecting. And maybe the, vi- the cycle of violence is stopped. Maybe they start to see their bullying ways. So Jesus gives a third way. Offering the other cheek. Not one who's inferior or fleeing. One who's scared of the superior. Not one that's fighting back, but as an equal face to face. Now let me say, this isn't about justifying sinful behavior. It's not okay. Abuse of any kind is not okay. The context here is the temptation to retaliate and pursue personal uh, retribution. Paul picks us up in Romans 12, 19 to 21. He says, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap fiery coals on your head. That's not as violent as it sounds. It's a, I haven't got time to go into it. It's a it's sort of idiom. It's a picture of, of something. But do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. See, the invitation from Jesus to think creatively and live differently, it's not easy. It's for the innocent that are caught in a vicious cycle. But it's to resist retaliation. And in that moment, there is a powerful instrument of grace that starts to be played out. That Jesus says is one, the way of breaking the cycle where love is chosen over hate. But the reality is that person may choose to hit you. But they hit you with you having said, I'm a human being. I've got dignity. You're the violent one. And maybe that in itself will expose them. So that's Jesus' first example. His second one in verse 40, he says, As for the one who wants to sue you take and take away your shirt, let him have your coat also. Now, we've done a little background of the shame on a culture with a disgraceful hit. Let me now, you have to preach all sorts of things when you're a pastor. Let me now talk about first century Jewish fashion, okay? So in, in Jewish fashion, you would have two, two items of clothing, okay? You'd have your inner garment, which is like a shirt. Don't think T-shirt, think shirt, like long garment. And then you would have your outer coat, now, there was law at, the, at this, this time that said you could not take someone's coat because the coat was also used as their blanket at nighttime. So the idea was that if you took their coat, they could freeze to death. So law said you weren't allowed to take another person's coat. So you've got to picture the scene here. Picture the scene that you are in court. That's it. Someone's trying to sue you. You're in court. And then they're wanting something that you own. So what do we do in this situation? Do we fight? Do we say, right, I'm going to lawyer up. I'm getting the best lawyers. I'm going to get him back and get him back hard. He wants my shirt. I'm going to get his shirt, all his wife's stuff, his kids' stuff, his house. I'm going to get him back. That's the fight. Or the flight is you just roll over and let him have what he wants. But there's a third way, a creative solution. Now, some commentators think that actually Jesus has been quite funny in this verse. So let me explain what's happening in this moment. So you're in court, and Jesus is saying, Imagine there's someone that's trying to sue you for your inner garment. Give him your inner garment and give him your outer garment as well. Do you remember I said that there's only two items of clothing that a Jewish person would own? So what? Are you, don't think Calvin Klein's are left. They weren't, they weren't, no, that didn't exist. So you're stood in court and Jesus essentially is saying, strip naked. Just give everything to him. So what's happening in this moment? I mean, there's a creative solution, isn't it? But what Jesus is saying is, excuse the pun, but expose the man for, for what he's wanting, for what his heart is actually saying, which is taking you for a ride. He's trying to take from you. To expose the issue and fight back, not with, not with violence, but with a free will choice to say, I'm choosing. You want my coat? You want my inner shirt? Have my coat as well. Doesn't mean anything to me. You can take whatever you want. And you reveal their greed and their ruthlessness. And in doing so, maybe they'll walk out the court. Maybe just disgusted and just like, wow, what is that? Which would be my case. But maybe it's going, do you know what? I've just, it's revealed to me that I'm just wanting and taking. And maybe there'd be a shift in someone's heart and that cycle is broken. Let's go on to the next example. Verse 41. It says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now let's talk about law. So Roman law said that a Roman soldier could force any Jewish person to carry anything they wanted for up to a mile. Okay? So you're a Jewish person. You stood on the side of the road. Think Simon of Cyrene. You know the cross? 
the, the Roman soldiers said, take this cross and carry it for Jesus. Could it force anybody to carry anything one mile? Now, the shame for a Jewish person that this Roman oppressor is telling them what to do. Like, I'm going off here with my family. Oi, you, come here. Carry this bag of mine for one mile. Now, what do we do in that moment? We fight. We refuse. Absolutely no way, you horrible Roman oppressor. And the chances are in that situation, either you're going to die or the Roman soldier has to die because you've refused. Or you pick it up and you're resentful and you're muttering and you're... You just do whatever they tell you. But what about the third way? Jesus says, don't just go one mile, go two. Instead of stopping at one mile, carry on on your own free will, of your own volition. He's told you to do one mile. Do that, but then choose to go further. What's happening in this moment? It's about relationship. What happens in this moment is he starts looking at you going, I I can only force you to go one mile. And you go, yeah, I'm carrying on. What? Why would you do that? Because I'm choosing to, because I'm a human being with free choice, and this is what I'm choosing to do in this moment. And who knows what could happen in that moment? As, as that Roman soldier is baffled by this extra mile, the conversation. So what's it, what's it like being so far away from home? Do you have a family back in Rome? What's, what's your family? Because the, 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 the oppressor, the one that's superior, seeing themselves as superior, suddenly has become human as well. And you who are being oppressed have also, also become human in their eyes. And it can break the cycle of injustice. It can break this chain of violence. So Jesus' final example, verse 42. He says, give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, there's four examples that we've previously looked at. There, there's a bit of a shift in this one because if you see that previously, all of them have been like you're in the position of the one being oppressed. If you're being sued, if you get slapped, Yeah, but this time it's different. This time the perspective has shifted. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Maybe you see a homeless person on the street. Or you're a landlord and your tenant can't pay rent. What do you do? Turning away from the one that, don't turn away from the one that asks you. Or from the one that needs to borrow from you. Do you fight? Absolutely, no way. You got yourself in this mess, you get yourself out of this mess. Or do you flight? Do you just roll over and give them what they need, whether it's, whether it's helpful to you or them? Hopefully you'll know now there's a third way, the creative way of Jesus. And he says, how about giving out of relationship? Don't turn away. The language is don't turn away, turn towards, see them. This isn't just about giving them what you feel is appropriate. This isn't like, and I'm not knocking anyone that does this, but going, I'm not going to give that homeless person money because I don't know what they're going to do with it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go in the shop, I'm going to buy them a sandwich, and I'll go and take them a sandwich. Whether they want a sandwich or not, whether they like the filling for the sandwich or not, I've chosen that's a better option there. And they're like, sorry, I'm gluten-free. You're homeless, you can't be gluten-free, just eat what you're given. I'm not knocking doing that. But what about the turning towards... And we get down and we say, how's your day been? How can I really help you? And we create a relationship. We turn towards. We speak to them like a human being. Instead of saying, tough, you can't repay your rent, we humanize them. We ask what's been going on in life. We've been renting our property for four years. This is the first time something must have really happened. What's going on? 
It's a powerful teaching from Jesus on how we practically follow him in the reality of everyday life with a creative third way. Now, those of you that are timing me, how long have I got left? I know, I know Callum will be timing me. Five minutes, let's go for it. Let me finish my story. Do you remember I sat down on that brick wall and I was held at gunpoint? Well, in that instant moment, I thought, I'm not going to give all the camera equipment to the security guard because my brain, although it's not a mathematical brain, my brain can realize a human being can't outrun a bullet. That's just not going to happen. So um, the guy had the gun to my head and he was shouting at us all in uh, Spanish. Spanish. I was Brazilian, Portuguese, Honduran was Spanish. So he's speaking to us in Spanish, not a clue. And the, the security guard's saying, he wants all of your equipment. He wants your watches, your wallets. He wants everything. And so instantly, I, I, I went to the flight mode. He can have it all. Just keep the gun away from me. Give everything to him. And uh, so he handed everything across. And thankfully, no one was hurt. And uh, he left. And we were all really shaken up, really shaken up, to the point where for a few years, I couldn't watch films where a gun was pulled. It would just sort of have an impact on me. And um, what was strange that in that moment is the security guard knew who the guy with the gun was. They were from different gangs, and, and, and they, knew, they knew each other. Uh, and so I spoke to the security guard a few days later, and I said, look, we don't care about the equipment. He can keep it, he can sell it, whatever. But the, the card that's in the camera that's got all the footage on it, can we have that back? Because that's what we really need. That's what we want. And so they went and spoke to this guy, and um, he refused. And he said, no, because if I'm on it, if, I, if I'm being caught on, on that footage, then you'll take it to the police, and they'll arrest me. So he said, no. So we decided in that moment that, well, if he's going to have all of the camera equipment, he may as well have all the extra charges, all the extra batteries and everything else as well. And so we got all of the equipment and we just said, look, he may as well have the lot. If he's not going to give us what we need back, he may as well have it all because it's no use to us. And he took it back to him and he said, these guys have said you can have all the charges, you can have everything else. And apparently, we never saw him again, but apparently he was absolutely baffled that we would be held up at gunpoint and then choose to give him everything else, even though his response was, I'm not going to give the smallest little thing that you've been asked. It's going the extra mile. It's humanizing. It's not condoning. He knows that we didn't accept that. Because we said what he's done is not okay. The gang culture, he's caught up in a culture in a, in a nation that you, you can't, it's very difficult to break out of. But we didn't condemn him. We confused him. What happened in that moment is we took in injustice we took in the oppression, we took in the brokenness of humanity and we gave out something different. Like Jesus on the cross, who takes in the sins of humanity and a transaction takes place as he's hanging on the cross, oppressed, abused, and he cries out, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Something happens in the life of Jesus on the cross where everything that is taken in that is evil is given back out in love. The call of those who follow Jesus is to live, love, and look like him. That is discipleship. With those who oppress you, reject you at work, at home, neighbors, friends, those who are your superiors, those you consider your inferiors, take in the rejection, take in the oppression, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's Pentecost, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. In our own strength, we want to retaliate. We want to get one up on them. But with the work of the Spirit within us, we say, can you take this and make a transaction where I can give out grace and I can give out mercy and I can give out love in response? And in doing so, we break the chain of oppression. We break the chain of injustice. We break the chain of violence. Just to end, let me read Kent Hughes, who says of these verses much better than I can. He says this, Jesus changes our lives. 
We no longer consider it our duty to get even. Eye for eye and tooth for tooth is fine for the courts, but not for our relation to others, even our enemies. Thanks to Jesus, we have to let go of our legalistic obsession with fairness. We are glad that Jesus was not fair with us, for if he were to have gotten, for if we were to have gotten what was coming to us, it would not have been good. As Jesus followers, we give ourselves to the highest welfare of others, even our enemies. We put up with the sins and insults of others for Christ's sake and theirs. Though hurt many times before, we refuse to withdraw into the shell of self. We do not run from hurt. We appear weak, but we are strong. For only the most powerful can live a life like this. But the power is not ours, but Christ. Everything comes from Christ. So my prayer is that we may be a people filled with the Spirit, enabling us to absorb the injustice, the brokenness, that we encounter and that we extend love. That we truly would be a people of the cross that took the sin and the shame and gave mercy and grace. And can we live beyond retaliation, beyond the perspective of this world to see the creative third way of Jesus? Spirit, will you fill us to make the radical choice contrary to our own wants and our own needs? In Jesus' name, amen.